0: Well, good morning. Uh, It's good to be with you. Our scripture lesson today is from the letter to the Hebrews, New Testament, letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, beginning with the 11th verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away Sins, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since then he has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool. Testifies to us, for after saying, "This is the covenant that I will make," this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, Since we have confidence to enter into the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he opened for us the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. He who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I will admit that I have a bit of an unhealthy relationship with Spotify. Uh, I probably have a couple of hundred, probably have a couple of hundred playlists for any occasion, day of the week. Like now, if you're listening to a 2:30 playlist, Christmas play- Now, if you're listening to Christmas music all day, I'm not mad at you. Maybe a little bit disappointed in your lack of patience. Because there's so much Thanksgiving music. There's such great Thanksgiving. We have the raw Thanksgiving playlist that we listen to on Spotify. I will put it on Facebook. You're welcome. So all of you will have access to it. Uh, And the minute the Halloween candy is put away, we start the raw Thanksgiving playlist. There's one song in particular we're going to talk about today. It's by Sarah Watkins. Maybe a relation. Who knows? Uh, Sarah Watkins, who is one of the uh, artists in the band Nickel Creek. And it's a song called Take Up Your Spade. And it really is a beautiful, poignant, simple retelling of our scripture lesson today. So, so I invite you. The melody is simple. You can even sing along if you want to. It's so beautiful. Um, but pay attention to the words that are being sung. So let's take a listen to this. This is um, "Take Up Your Spade" by Sarah Watkins. your shoes, leave yesterday behind you, shake off your shoes, but forget not where you've been. Here we have the priests in the temple in this letter to the Hebrews and they go to the, the temple day after day after day after day and what the, what the author of Hebrews is saying, this is unfruitful work. It is not fruitful work what these priests are doing because God has opened up a relationship or Jesus has opened up a relationship with God through his own flesh. So these temple priests offering these offerings for sin is fruitless. Now, he doesn't say going to the temple is fruitless because being in the presence of God is never a bad thing. It's not going to the temple. Rather, it is why they go to the temple, which is now fruitless because of the work of Jesus. Shake off your shoes Leave yesterday behind you. In Jesus, there is this new way of relating to God, and it talks about this in the text, this new way of opening up a relationship with God. But forget not where you've been. That doesn't mean we never go back to the temple. That doesn't mean we never go into the presence of God. Leave yesterday behind you, but forget not where you've been. The staff and I have been talking about this, and if you've been in leadership, or if you're currently in leadership, you would have heard me say this, but there are three distinct COVID marathons that we are running. The first COVID marathon was, oh my God, everything is shutting down, we have to figure out, and we have to pivot, and we have to improvise. We have to pivot and improvise in a liminal space. If I ever hear that phrase again, it will be too soon. Pivoting and improvising in a liminal space space but that marathon is done that marathon has been run we've passed that we've completed that race we are something like 10 12 miles into this second covid marathon and what the second covid marathon is who are our people who is connected with asbury who is not connected with asbury seeing people face not seeing people face to face to whom are we offering this ministry This is that second COVID marathon that we're wrestling with and and struggling with. Leave yesterday behind you. In other words, we cannot capture what has happened previously. Because this leads us into the third COVID marathon. That third COVID marathon is, so what is it that won't be continuing after it's all said and done? What's not going to make it? What is going to make it? What will our community of faith look like at the end of it all? Because yes, we do. We need to leave yesterday behind, but do not forget where we have been. The tension of that memory, right? Because I've heard a lot of folks like, we can't wait to get back to... And there may be some things that we get back to, but most will be looking forward to in our community of faith. Shake off your shoes, leave yesterday behind you, but forget not where you've been. Because there's a shift happening, right? And we see this in Jesus. Jesus shifted the way that we commune with God, and the Pharisees were not happy about it, right? Now, now, it's a little too simple to just have the disciples be the good guys and the Pharisees be the bad guys, right? That's a little too simple. If you're in disciple Bible study, you, you've, you've heard this. You've heard me talk about this, that there's more than one strain of thought in Scripture. There's something called deuteromistic history and the Deuteronomists, yeah, right? I I it took me forever to even say that. Deuteronomistic history. What that means is in the Deuteronomistic history in the Old Testament, if you did good stuff, then you were rewarded. If you followed God's law, you were rewarded. If you didn't follow God's law, you were not rewarded, right? Now, and I say that there's different strains, there's different tensions in that. Uh, If you say there's no tension in the Bible, that means you haven't read it. There are tensions in different stories and different traditions that are in there. For example, Ecclesiastes, if you read Ecclesiastes, you'll read that the wicked prosper all the time. right? If you read the Psalms, you'll, you'll understand in Proverbs, you'll understand that rain falls on the just and the unjust. God's grace is available to both. But to the Deuteronomist... You follow God's law, you will be rewarded. If you don't follow God's law, you won't be rewarded. And this is where the Pharisees are coming from. Now, keep in mind, there was an exile, right? Babylon took Judea into exile. And, when they, and, and, and the idea, the theology behind that is they were not following God's law. Therefore, God sent them into exile. So, when they come back from exile, the Pharisees said, you know what we need to do? We need to follow God's law. We need to dot every I. We need to cross every T, which is why when Jesus comes on the scene, the Pharisees are quite upset because Jesus heals on the Sabbath and picks grain on the Sabbath and does not follow purity codes of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, again, I'm going to throw them a bone because they're saying, Jesus, what are you doing? You're messing this up. They even say that, that Jesus is blasphemous and Jesus can't be of God because he is healing on the, We're not supposed to be doing any work, Jesus. And the Pharisees do not understand this. Leave yesterday behind you, but forget not where you've been. Jesus came not to throw away the law, but to fulfill it and bring it to completion. And then that, that last line of the first stanza there. It's actually the second stanza. Forgive and be forgiven. Take up your spade and break ground. Forgive and be forgiven. What great work that is for the person of faith. For example, there's a story in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it's Luke chapter 5, I think. Let me look. Yes, Luke chapter 5. And Jesus is in a house, and it's full of people, and four friends, if you remember the story, four friends, one of their friends uh, can't walk and is is lame, and so four of them bring their friend to see Jesus, but they can't get through, so what do they do? They go up on top of the roof, and they cut a hole in the roof, and they lower their friend down, and Jesus says, Scripture says, because of their faith, because of their faith, the friend's faith, not the man on the mat, because of his friend's faith, friends, At some point in your life, one of your friends will not be able to pray. They'll be in a place where they need to be comforted and consoled. And Jesus said, because of his friend's faith, your sins are forgiven. What power we have as a community of faith to pray for one another. Because of the friend's faith, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Well, the Pharisees, who I imagine spoke like old British lawyers. Only God can forgive sins. So then Jesus, I love it, says, Jesus perceiving what is in their heart. <laughs> Jesus said, okay, what's easier? To say that your sins are forgiven or to tell him to pick up his mat and walk? dot, dot, dot. The Pharisees don't say anything. They left Jesus on red, right? Nothing. So Jesus says, fine, take up your mat and walk. And he does. Now, in this moment, Jesus said, so that you might know the Son of Man has the authority to do this, take up your mat and walk. Jesus did not say God was not the healer in that moment. Jesus did not say, don't ever listen to the Pharisees. They don't know what they're talking about. No, Jesus said God is near. So near, in fact, you don't have to go to the temple. Your friend's faith, not even yours, your friend's faith has brought you healing. And the Pharisees just could not comprehend. They could not leave yesterday behind. They could not shake the dust off of their feet. Jesus didn't say that God wasn't there. Forgiveness is real. And it is not dependent on the systems that the Pharisees had built for their own self-preservation. Amen. I'll say it again. Forgive No, so I went to Donnie Moore's a mother's funeral, uh, which was two hours of a black Baptist pastor just killing it, man. It was so much fun. The band was incredible, and he and I love the audience participation because he says, "Do you, Amen? Yes. Do you know? Yes. Say it. Do you know Jesus?" And everybody's losing their minds, and it's so fantastic. So let me. I'll say it again. Forgiveness is real, and it is. Not, this is what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. Forgiveness is real, and it is not dependent on the systems that the Pharisees have built for their own self-preservation. Yes, hey, yes, thank you, fellow United Methodists. They also, uh, in African American tradition, when the pastors—I don't even know—I don't even know if I want to tell you this—but when the pastor is struggling, they say, "Help him, Lord!" Like they—they they just come like. He's he's misstepping. So I don't know if I good. Thank you for that's all audience participation. We're good. Thank you. We'll just cut it cut it there. Forgiveness is real. God is God is here. This does not mean that we sit idly by and that God has figured everything out and there's nothing for us to do. No. Take up your spade and break ground. Get moving. Get busy. In order to break ground with a spade, you have to get down in the dirt. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, sometimes doing the work of the gospel, you you have to get your hands dirty, right? You have to get down in the dirt like God did when God created humanity and breathed into humanity that first breath of life. You have to be very close to your creation in order to do that. It's very intimate, digging down in in the clay. So scripture continues and says, Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter into the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us the curtain that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. He who has promised is faithful. It doesn't say you have been faithful to God. What he is saying, God has been faithful to you. In the early service, we sang, Great is thy faithfulness. And I I love it because we're singing. Do we really understand what we're saying? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy... Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. God is faithful to us. Is what he is saying. God is faithful to you. That last stanza says, give thanks for all that you've been given. Not give thanks for all the good that you've been given. Give thanks for all that you have been given. That's a scandalous thing to say. And then it says, and I find this fascinating give thanks for who you can become. It doesn't say give thanks for who you were, it doesn't say give thanks for who you are now. It says give thanks for who you can become. When was the last time that we gave thanks for something that hasn't happened yet? I I chewed on that this weekend. What does it even mean? Give thanks for who you can become, give thanks for the potential of who God created you to be, and I realized that's exactly what blessing boxes are that folks have brought back today. You are blessing a family for Thanksgiving next week. Give thanks for who you can be in the future. That's what the angel tree is about. That's what, that's what for example, pledging is about. When you fill out a pledge card for 2022, you're saying thank you, God, for what hasn't even happened yet. give thanks for who you can become. And this is not a passive aggressive way of saying thank you that I learned from my mother. Thank you for doing the dishes, but I I haven't done the. Oh, right. It's not that kind of, right? Yeah, now you're feeling me. Yeah, you said it, haven't you? Thank you for cleaning your room. I appreciate that. But I haven't cleaned my room. Exactly, right? It's not that kind of passive aggressiveness. It is vision, it is trust, it is assurance. Give thanks for who you can become because of the faith community and your family who has prepared you for this. And maybe I'll fully realize it when I see like the face of my grandkids one day and have the blessing of saying, give thanks for who you can become. It's kind of like this, this amazing, so uh, the family, we will be heading to Disney World not long from now. Glad you're all sitting down for that revelation. And I'm, I'm still just in, in awe and fascinated that, that Walt Disney flew down the Florida, saw a bunch of swamp land, and then bought 27,000 acres of it. And said, You know what? A kingdom needs to be here. I know this looks like it's been tossed away. I know it looks like there's no value here. I know that this looks like forgotten land. Give me 27,000 acres of it so that a kingdom can be here. Friends, that is the role of the church, is to look at what has been cast away, what has been forgotten, what seems to have no value, and say, we need a kingdom in those places of the world. And give me an abundance of it. Give me 27,000 acres of it. And watch what we can do. Give thanks for who you can be. <laughs> Not who you are. Not who you used to be. Give thanks for who you can become. Ah, oh, it's So good. And then scripture says, let us consider how to provoke one another to love. Consider how to provoke one another to love. I was telling John Juno earlier this morning, he was at the 830 service. John Juno is our, our chair of trustees uh, for the next six weeks of his tenure, of his two-year-long two year tenure. And look, you, you should pray over all of our leaders. But John has seen a lot in the last two years as chair of trustees. Amen. At our church, there's just a lot going on. So give him a high five next time you see him. Uh, and Tom, too, the Silver Eagles, man, they're, they're um, I know we had Silver Eagle Appreciation Month for September. Every month should be Silver Eagle Appreciation. I mean, it's just, they're, they're rebuilding Katie's place and it looks beautiful and fantastic. And they've, they've taken that on. So, so give them a high five next time you see them. Or, I don't know, a check. <laughs> Or a gift card or something. Shine his shoes, man. Shine Tom's shoes next time you see him. Um, uh, but I was telling John earlier, you know, on our wall it says bringing hope, building faith, and reaching out with love. And I think reaching out in love is fine, but what if, what if we change that to say provoking one another in love, provoking one another to love? Provoking is provocative. It has, it's not just reaching out and saying, here, you, it's, it's provoking to love, for all of the right reasons but there is an energy there is a direction let us consider how to provoke one another to love that's what the mission lunch is about today consider how to provoke to love not antagonize not divide not get mad for no reason but to provoke to love imagine if we changed that on the wall Out there, how that might change who we are. Take up your spade and break ground, trying to outdo one another with kindness and service. It starts small. Uh, There's a woman by the name of Darby, uh, and she wrote a she gave a Christmas card to her husband who was serving in Afghanistan several years ago. And uh, he wrote back saying, you know, thank you so much for my my card. You know, the rest of the guys are jealous because they didn't get one. She said, really? Hmm. So she put a little thing together called Operation Holiday Card. And in the first year, they sent 1,200 cards to Afghanistan. And we celebrated that. And then the next year, they sent 12,000. The year after that, they sent 35,000. And then before it was all said and done, they sent 48,000 cards. It started with a single card to a single individual. And this, I love this, because churches started getting wind. I love, I'll just say it out loud. I've said it once before I'm going to say it again. I'd, I think it's hilarious. Like, uh, what is it, like six weeks after we got our Jumbotron out there, right, where you can see on airline, when you're in gridlock and airline, you can see all the great things that are happening in Asbury. Like six weeks later, the church down the street got one that was just slightly bigger. A little higher definition? Love that, baby. I love it. I love it so much. What, but what if we were in competition with one another to provoke one another to love? Where Let's say we, we collected 48,000 cards for Operation Holiday Card, and the church down the street says, we're going to do 55. Right? That's a good kind of Christian competition. between how, how, how can we outdo one another in doing good works? Right? To provoke one another to love. And a love... Pick up your spade and, and break ground. Take up your spade. It doesn't say take up your shovel or a backhoe. It, it takes a, a spade, which is a small handheld tool that you have to get down in the dirt to use. It is one overturning of the soil followed by another overturning of the soil. It is one Operation Holiday card that leads to 1,200, that leads to 12,000, that leads to 48,000, and that leads to churches getting in competition outdoing one another for good. Mm. Give thanks for all that you've been given. Give thanks for who you can become. What a discipline that will be this week to give thanks for who you can become. Take up your spade. Let's break ground. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.